0: welcome to It's Complicated, a podcast about healthcare ethics in practice, presented by the Nova Scotia Health Ethics Network, or NSHEN. I'm Marika Warren, network ethicist for NSHEN, and I'll be your host for this discussion. This podcast is now entering its second year and second season. We hope you're finding these conversations useful. I'm joined today by Tony White-Goodridge, who is an IT education consultant and trainer at the IWK, and a member of the IWK Health Clinical Ethics Consultation Committee. And for this discussion, we're going to look at the intersection of these roles, So the internet and associated technologies like social media have generated many novel and interesting ethical questions. And I think we've all become fairly familiar with the general shape of those concerns as reflected in a lot of op-eds and think pieces. But I think there's been less focus on the role of patient access to the internet when they're in healthcare facilities and its effect on treatment and health outcomes. And we've seen some interesting questions arise recently that raise questions for us as ethics consultants about how we should understand and approach patient access to the internet. So to start us off, Tony, I'm wondering if you can give us a sense of what having internet access means for patients and their loved ones.
1: I think off the top of my head what comes to mind is internet access for patient. It's a form of comfort, it's connection, it's empowerment, it can be safety, and it can be entertainment and distraction. So for, if you are in a healthcare crisis and your life is suddenly upended and you find yourself in a hospital – nothing is normal about that situation and in our world today being connected and online is very normal so if a patient can go to a healthcare facility with their device and they have a nice high speed internet access they are connected to their loved ones their family and it might help ease some of the discomfort they're currently feeling I think that there's also the empowerment factor of being able to access information. And it could be that healthcare providers are pointing patients to electronic resources. Either way, it empowers them. They feel like they have some knowledge at their fingertips. For people who historically have felt unsafe in healthcare environments, I think having, you know, I'm using the example of, I'm picturing people with their own personal phone. Um, But it can give them a feeling of safety if they can record that situation or be connected to a loved one during that encounter. And for people who are not from our culture or don't speak our language, if they can go to a health facility and have internet access, they have instant access to translators and to their own language. And it's a communication tool that ultimately will affect their care because it affects the understanding, right? The, The transfer of information, And then something as simple as, you know, for children in a healthcare environment, if they have an iPad with a game on it, then maybe they're a little distracted from the scary things going on around them, uh, which is beneficial both to them, their families, and the healthcare providers who have to, you know, provide treatments. So we have seen the rush of technology as normalized in our everyday life. And even more so, I think that that is now part of healthcare provider and patient interactions. Um, and it would seem very restrictive if patients did not have access once they stepped inside the walls of a healthcare facility. So, it's it's comfort and and connection and expected, I would think.
0: So I think that piece around it being expected and sort of part of, you know, the norm in terms of how we connect with others, particularly others who might be at a distance. Um, So I'm wondering, from your perspective, how our recent experiences uh, with COVID and the shifts in how care is provided and how uh, family members and loved ones are included as part of the team has shifted, and whether that's shifted thinking for you or for others that you work with around the role of internet access in healthcare.
1: I think it did. From my corner of the world during uh, the COVID pandemic, I saw our healthcare teams stand up virtual care, and. From the IT side of things, all of those teams worked together to get that technology in place and to train healthcare professionals how to use it. And, I mean, every facet of healthcare responded to that in some way. And once we were up and running and we actually had to connect with our patients, I think it brought the issue of equitable, accessible, affordable internet access for all to the forefront, because it didn't matter how well your healthcare provider was set up. If you lived in rural Nova Scotia and barely had a dial up, let alone a high speed internet access, you were not having video calls with your healthcare provider. Um, so that issue I really saw come to the front and it expanded beyond the hospital, obviously, because I think it was a province wide issue. And for healthcare providers, it was an extra burden where before their patients came to them. And they dealt with those issues. But now they had to reach out. They, A, probably saw more of their patients' lives than since the days of home visits. And B, there was that technical problem. How do you possibly troubleshoot someone's internet access or capability with the technology from a distance? And it was a barrier. And it was a burden. And I think healthcare providers did maybe a little more education in that area than they would have thought they had to but it was part and parcel of trying to get everyone engaged online and I think it highlighted the inequities in access for people.
0: So just thinking about the ways in which you know care has changed over the course of the uh, pandemic and the ways in which some of those changes are sticking with us do you see that there's a difference in the way that healthcare providers are approaching questions about access when you're thinking about things like discharge planning or you know, ongoing care for chronic conditions where it might be easier for a patient to use virtual care instead of having to to drive in to the city? But in terms of sort of what people are thinking about, you know, in conversations with patients and their loved ones, have you seen that change in terms of the technology and internet access?
1: I think that it's expected now. It's it's a fallback. Before, if you couldn't make that four hour drive to get to your appointment, it was a big deal. But now, if you do have the access, the device, you can have follow up care um, virtually with your healthcare provider, and that is being. It's just quickly becoming a normal part of a healthcare plan, and if patients cannot or do not have access to internet or devices. I think that phone calls with healthcare providers have kind of snuck under this virtual care environment as well, because people got the message that they can stay where they are and access the information. And for some people, that's a big advantage. Anyone with a mobility issue, if they can stay home and have that healthcare provider appointment. So healthcare providers now have to take their patients' technological capacities into consideration when they're asking questions about how can we go forward with this plan. And it matters where you live because you don't, there's not equal internet access across the province. And we know that Nova Scotia Health is a provincial entity. So... It's hopefully an issue that is not only at the front of healthcare providers' minds, but it got, kind of goes up the chain to something as a society, as a province, that we can help to ensure people have access to. It's the interdependency, I guess, of the social determinants of health and technology. Technology is fully embedded in there now as one of those social determinants, because if you're not online and can't get online, you don't have the same access to resources and information.
0: Absolutely. And I like that sort of framing of internet access as a health issue specifically. And again, when we think about how we structure healthcare across the province.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really important. And it's even in designing new spaces within healthcare, having those spaces designed for the technology of the patients. If you go to an ED room and you have to wait for four or five hours, you're going to want to charge a device. You know, you're going to want to have access to those things where we wouldn't have thought about patients' access to charging ports if we were building a building maybe 10 years ago. So every aspect of what we do to accommodate our patients in our healthcare system, I think suddenly personal technology devices have to be considered in that.
0: In terms of thinking about the sorts of internet access and and the strength of connections and just the infrastructure, again, recognizing that healthcare facilities have a lot of competing costs in budget lines, um, is increasing the quality of internet access for uh, patients who are staying, again, particularly thinking about, for example, guest access without a password versus a Password protected uh, connection. Um, so, are there are differences in the degree to which patients are able to access internet services in, in the way that they're used to, depending on where they are or how long they're staying?
1: I think that in terms, of, if we think about guest Wi-Fi access, it should be fast, reliable, and strong, even if it is guest. And it's that guest divide uh, protects the organization from having people be able to access their information. And it protects the patient. They can't go where they shouldn't go. They just can have access to the internet and what they need. And if you think about a patient who might just arrive in an outpatient unit or an emergency room for a day, they get free Wi-Fi. That's a little benefit. But as if they get admitted or they are a long-term patient, then what does the hospital give them in terms of access then? And what we have seen. Is there might be a disadvantage to you if all you're given is free Wi-Fi if you don't have a device because not every hospital goes to hand out you know devices in the emergency department to entertain people but if you are a long-term care patient there are those devices available to you we would have laptops or iPads that you know foundations have donated to the hospital so that someone can come and use those for the duration of their stay, for the video calls with their family, for the connection, for whatever it is they want to do on the Internet within reason. And that would not be available to you if you're just having a short stay at the hospital. Um, in our organization, we have something in our NICU department, a very sophisticated video conferencing system for families so that families can be connected to patients' care the whole way through. So whether you have a device or are technically savvy, the healthcare providers will help you with that technology. They'll hold your hand, let's say, to make sure that you're online and connected. And you wouldn't experience that in a shorter stay sort of scenario.
0: So I think it's interesting to look at those those differences, and think about you know whether you know, that's that's sort of where we we want to land, or as you know expectations shift, will there also be you know differing um, expectations on the healthcare facility, you know in terms of what it's expected that patients will be able to have when they enter, and again that that piece around you know patients who patients and loved ones in the NICU, for example, who are going through you know a very difficult, challenging time, but also where it's, it's essential to have that family involvement, and so you know, that that justifies the greater investment of technology there. You know, in a way that we might say, you know, passing out you know, iPads in the ED waiting room might be taking resources away from you know, other priorities in that uh, context. So I think there are interesting questions, again, about and ethical questions about what are our values and you know when technology is so much part of patients' lives, but also healthcare. Um, how we find that balance between the sort of technological pieces of care and all the other things that go into providing good care.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's been a sea change in thinking about access to technology for patients. Um, It's a necessity. It's a right. But if we think about a patient who doesn't have the capability to go online online, the burden might fall to the healthcare provider, you know, to hold up that iPad, to dial the number, to to make that connection. And that would be a new piece of care, a new thing that the healthcare provider has to do. And because this is all changing rapidly, I'm not sure our policies and procedures have quite caught up yet. So we have changes that are going to happen to maybe what is expected of a healthcare provider in terms of facilitating technological use with their patients and for their patients. And that can vary greatly across organizations.
0: And certainly, you know, thinking again about what is the capacity within a system where, you know, time is precious, you know, how does that change how care is delivered and uh, doing the cost benefit of around how we Integrate that technology. And so linked to that, I'm curious if you see you know, potential harms or concerns related to the way in which uh, patients are able to access the internet when they come into healthcare
1: facilities. I I do think about the potential harms. There's a responsibility. Healthcare providers know their rights and responsibilities to protect the patient and to do no harm. But patients are, this is might be a novel environment. For them, and they live their life online, and they maybe say their opinions online freely and write them down. And if they're in a healthcare setting and things are not going the way that they like, they see something they don't like, they don't agree with their healthcare provider, I think that they have this ability to go online and it can be harmful. They may freely give opinions that are not backed up or truthful, but are out there online for everyone to see. And the healthcare provider may have no recourse or may not even know that's happening. So that's one of the things, sort of an online bullying scenario I worry about. If you've read any kind of online forums and someone's in a hospital and they experience something they do not enjoy, they are very vocal about that. And there'll be a lot of comments of people agreeing with that oh i was there too and that was a terrible thing that happened to me and so i think there's a potential for that online bullying and i think that there can be an erosion of trust as well with your healthcare provider as being the subject matter expert for your care and your care plan if you have done a little internet research and doctor google has shown you some information that's contrary to what your healthcare provider is is saying to you Um, there can be an erosion of trust and that would be difficult for the healthcare provider to get that back and to have to refute this information, this misinformation that's available online. Um, It would be an added, I I don't want to say burden, but it's certainly an added precaution they would have to think about because that care relationship works best based on mutual trust and understanding. So it can be eroded online for sure. And I think even if we think about videoing, if a patient videos an interaction, there can be a reason for that. They want to remember what the healthcare provider said after the fact. They want to review that and when they're feeling more calm, maybe they take a video of the healthcare interaction and they want to post it. But before they do, they edit it. The healthcare provider doesn't look particularly you know competent or like they're doing the right thing i just think there's a lot of potential harm and we don't have like i said the policies in place yet that govern the use of something like posting a video of your healthcare interaction online so we're relying on people's personal judgment at this point
0: all right i've I have many other uh, questions, but we're running short uh, on time at this point. So perhaps to bring the discussion to a close, from your perspective and, you know, given things that uh, that we've addressed here, what makes patient access to the Internet complicated in healthcare?
1: care? Um, well, I'll sum that up really quickly. You know, I think uh, you mentioned cost-benefit earlier. So just from an organizational point of view, what is the cost-benefit of implementing, you know, beautiful, free high speed internet for all patients and maybe the devices that go with it. You know, it improves accessibility for some people and it's completely restrictive for other people who do not have the technology and don't want it. I think we have to protect patient's autonomy um, and their rights to information and access of information. We have our healthcare providers who uh, have the right to do their jobs, to privately exist and not have their performance, you know, made public on the internet via a video. And healthcare providers, I think that they have this added burden of fighting the misinformation online. You know, when you go to your healthcare provider these days, you probably say, well, I did see on Google. And they have to know about that. So it's an extra sort of something they have to be aware of. There can be um, a possibility that they, there could be damage to their professional reputation if they have a particularly thorny relationship with the patient. And that patient is very online and makes that relationship public, let's say. So, I, I think it's complicated. It's a right. It's normalized to be online. People expect it. They want the comfort of it. Our healthcare organizations can provide that. And I think that as we go forward, we'll have more, hopefully, policies and procedures to protect everybody involved a little more.
0: Terrific! You did a lovely job of again highlighting the full range of values that are relevant when we start to uh, ask these questions. And you know, as with so many things, it is a double-edged sword, and uh, you don't you don't get the benefits without uh, facing certain challenges. And from my personal perspective, I think policy you know, a well-crafted, thoughtful policy is a very useful tool for navigating some of those values questions. But as you say, you know, until then, you know, we're left to do a lot of that sort of for individual families, individual patients, individual providers. Um, and that, again, is another, another thing to, to manage in a healthcare setting where there's so much else going on. So thank you so much, Tony. That was a fabulous conversation. And again, there's you know, hopefully many other uh, questions and thoughts that that will spark for folks who are listening, because certainly uh, I know it did for me. So I appreciate you bringing your insight and expertise to the conversation today.
1: Thanks so much. It was my pleasure to talk about this.
0: Excellent. We thank also the production support that we receive for the podcast from Lisbeth Witthoff-Nielsen, Kristin Meleschko-Skeri, and the team at Dalhousie Medit. Thanks to Ben Caps for our theme music and to you for listening. Please feel free to contact Enshen through our website with any feedback you have, including ideas for future episodes. Until next time.